0: Buglers, we are live from Leicester Square Theatre on the 16th of September with Chris Addison and Alice Fraser. It might be our only London date of the year, so get your tickets now. Oh, get them at the buglepodcast.com. That, that bit's important. <laughs>
1: Hello, welcome to the Bugle Ashes Zoltzcast. I am Andy Zoltman and this is the exclusive uh, world official. I've got those <laughs> words in the wrong order. a World Official World Exclusive Official Review. You can't get it anywhere else of deck I've got there in the end. Of day three of the Oval Test. A day of classic basballistic cricket England. 389 for nine. In the day, scoring at breakneck pace, only 80 overs bowled. Uh, as, as, uh, alongside the all-action cricket, we have no action anything uh, in, in for, for long periods as people just mill around 10 overs short of the supposed hypothetical uh, requirement. Will those 10 overs prove as crucial as the uh, 25 or so overs lost in Old Trafford? Time will tell, but almost certainly not. Um, Australia looking once again battered, and then... A late clatter of wickets that kept the door just faintly ajar for the baggy Greensers to uh, win the game and secure a 3-1 series win, which, were they to do it, A, it would be one of the great fourth-innings chases, and B, it would be one of the most misleading scorelines in any sporting event ever. But such is the joy of Test cricket. Uh, Joining me to discuss this, um, back from his holidays, where he has been, um, well, largely insulated from cricket in France, it's producer Chris... um, Chris, uh, well, I mean, h- how was, uh, I mean, how was, I mean, how it try- trying to follow the Ashes in France? I've been overseas during previous Ashes, and it's, I mean, it's quite a harrowing process. I was in Norway for the first Test in 2019, wow. desperately trying to get the scores uh, of a f- fluctuating game while travelling through trains and mountains.
0: Andy, it was very difficult. The French, it appears, are not into cricket. I think that Olympic silver medal they picked up. You know, that 120 odd years ago (laughs) has really got to them and they seem to have rejected the sport in its entirety. I did, uh, up against some trees, I did see some uh, abandoned cricket stumps. Oh, right. Nice. That was the only trace of cricket I saw in two weeks (laughs) other than desperately trying to wave my phone around for 4G to get some... To get some uh, live cricket or some some podcasts to try to to make sense of what was happening, it was it was it was a challenge. But but I come back and I am literally astonished that England haven't won this Ashes series based <laughs> on everything I read.
1: Well, yeah, it has been it has been kind of strange. And again, I think when we look back on this series, whatever happens, we will those key moments that we've talked about in those first two tests. Well, I think irritates England cricket fans for the rest <laughs> of all eternity. Um, I mean, I have friends who are still annoyed about what happened in the 1936-37 Ashes series decades before they were born. So, um,
0: uh, and friends, well, friends, this is you and
1: <laughs> well, it's me and maybe one other friend uh, who <laughs> also works on cricket commentary on the radio. So, um, okay, okay, you've narrowed that demographic down to people who have taken cricket obsession to a literally professional level. But anyway, the point stands, Chris. Uh, for as long as people give a shit about Test Cricket, which won't not be that long, um, if the administrators get their way, uh, people will, will look back and study this series as, as, as a, almost a, a, a morality tale for what humans can achieve and what, and the mistakes they can make. And that's what's uh, what's made it so, so glorious and fascinating. And uh, the end of play yesterday, um, well, a huge... Uh, surprise, sprung by Stuart Broad, who has mm-hmm. been absolutely fantastic, not just in this series, but um, well over the last sort of four, five years, and he's had this 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 late uh, uh, period in his career where he's sort of recaptured the magnificence of his first peak after dipping for a couple of years around about 2016 and 2017. Suddenly... Uh, and this was pretty much as out of the blue as retirement announcements come announced he was retiring um uh with he's just passed 600 wickets at Old Trafford 602 currently so uh you know if he, he could finish with 612 uh, I mean what a story that would be or Jimmy Anderson on 690 maybe he'll take all 10 and uh, walk off I, mean, I think you know if that did happen Chris if Jimmy Anderson took all 10 Including his 700th wicket, I, w- I would assume that a golden-winged chariot would just swoop down from the heavens and take him off, uh, and he would never be seen again, and it would be the greatest moment in the history of humanity. But um, I,
0: I more, have read uh... the full laws, Andy, but may- <laughs> maybe it's already there.
1: <laughs> the the, uh, the uh, um, yeah, it, it did catch everyone by surprise, yeah. particularly as he's been he's been so good. There's, there was no sense of uh, anything coming to an end.
0: Oh, I actually have to say, as a fan, I felt disappointed because I was like. There's there's more to come from him, and I want to see him do more. But I do I do get white. The biggest problem I have is that uh, today, uh, assuming him and Anderson go go out to bat together, maybe not. Maybe they open the bowling together. It just seems like an elaborate ploy to upstage or hide the fact that it's also Jimmy Anderson's forty first birthday <laughs> today. So and I'm... I just wonder if that's going to cause some tension in the dressing room.
1: Oh well, yeah, no, I hadn't thought of it from that from that point of view. So you're basically saying he's blowing out the candles on Jimmy's cake. Well look, Well, this could cause ructions of the England dressing room.
0: It might be what Jimmy needs.
1: <laughs> um because yes, everyone would have thought maybe Jimmy would announce his retirement. Um but I think he I mean, I think he basically views his career as reaching the midpoint. Um <laughs> frankly. So I did see he him was warming up bowling left arm spin on the outfield at Old Trafford and you know, that's not Wilford Rhodes was bowling left arm spin for England when he was about fifty two. So I mean that yeah. that's That could be the future for Jimmy Anderson, Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be quite—I think—an emotional day today. After, I mean, I think uh, you know just. they, you know, the, the sheer longevity of those those two broads, Broad been playing for England since late two thousand and seven, Jimmy since two thousand and three, which is just absurd by historical standards. And they've you know had the the era of central contracts and and modern sports science. Um, and since twenty fifteen, in, in Anderson's case, I think twenty sixteen, in Broad's case, they've not played international white ball cricket, so they've just focused their skills and their fitness on the the periods of the year that England play Test cricket. And it's been an extraordinary stories of of uh, persistence commitment yep. and and improvement and they both had quite bad starts of their test careers averaging 39 and 40 after 20 mm. tests and and becoming two of the finest bowlers that England England have had so um also i mean what a time it would be uh, there, there's a stat my, my i was looking for stats to uh, to talk about today england six players have reached 300 runs in this series that's the first time england have ever had six 300 yep. run batters in the same Ashes series, and Broad and Anderson, I mean, what a way it would be, were they to bat for two days and both make you know, in the high 200s to reach 300 runs themselves. I mean, what a story, again, I mean, England would lose the series, obviously, but uh, but you know, it would be <laughs> what, what? I mean, what an occasion that would be you know, a last wicket stand of 550 odd. Um, so let's not rule them out. <laughs> no no team's ever had seven players, e- either side, with 300 runs in a single Ashes series so ma- this baseball team likes Breaking records, um, but but that would pro- probably be their weirdest one. Um, so yes, so this this might be the last day we see Stuart Broad. It might go to the fifth day. Who knows? If it goes to the fifth day, I think it's going to be very exciting. Uh, what what's your? Pr- I mean, I think I, my hunch is, and the weather forecast is a bit dicey today. But if there's no weather, and when I say by no weather, I mean no rain. Obviously, there will be weather. Whatever happens, um, then uh, I think I think England might win it today. What do you think, Chris?
0: Yeah, I. All evidence points to Australia folding pretty quickly. Short. I mean, they they look exhausted. They look out on their feet. I guess they have that that motivation. Just it feels like a really big number. Having watched England in the nineties, I still feel they're a hundred short. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, so, but
1: they, they, well, they were. They were three thirty two for four yesterday, so three twenty ahead, and then finished three eighty nine for nine. It felt like they could have absolutely. Uh, nailed the porpoise to the. Uh, how does that phrase end? I, I don't know. But anyway, they they could have completely shut the door. But that's not tends not to be the way this 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 team works. I don't know if they thought, oh, hang on, we like to dangle a carrot. There's a possibility that we could eat the carrot, and then they uh, regurgitated the carrot and dangled it anyway. Um, I'm not quite sure. But Australians th- have that glimmer.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I I think it it just summed up. Basball at its at its best and weirdest today there was there was a number of things uh that, that really struck me statistically and in terms of style of play so f- first of all if we can go back to the the opening partnership uh crawley now has uh, enough So crawley's now unless kawaja does something good today is the top scorer in the series that's right and i think in terms of home matches series that technically makes him the new Somewhere around Graham Gooch or John Edrich, <laughs> something like that is that right?
1: Uh, yes, well he's four hundred and eighty for the series average fifty three as we we talked about before, he has been consistent to the most uncrawlyish degree. It is barely conceivable uh played as uh, superbly again yesterday almost with with a bit more control than he had in that century at, at old trafford made made seventy three at almost a runner ball and again a sort of a, a restrained start and then this eruption of fantastic stroke play and you know, I for one would have left him out at the start of this summer and it's one one of a number of selection calls that when you look at the summer as a whole uh, have been well obviously in Crawley's case completely justified but you know that, that selection mm. of, of Bairstow as keeper essentially kept Crawley in, in, in the team unless they were to leave someone else out but you, look, you know the, the stats coming into this over the past well sort of his past 25 tests before this summer, he'd averaged 22. So you know, if you're going to keep folks, play Berstow as a specialist batter, Crawley, you'd have thought would be the one to miss out. They've stuck with him. He has been the benefit of... Probably more selectorial patience than any cricketer in history, with a possible exception of West Indies Carl Hooper, who, who okay. also came good in sort of having played 35 plus Tests yeah. and then had a really good few years for West Indies, and similarly majestic player to watch in full flow. His 480 runs in this series, uh, in Ashes series in England. You've got to go back to 1997 to find an opener with more runs in an Ashes series in England. That was Australia's Matthew Elliott, 556 in a six test series. Chris Rogers also had exactly 480 in 2015. And for England, uh, Mike Atherton in 1993 had 553. That also a a six test series. So it is, uh, yeah, I mean, not a complete surprise uh, that Crawley would succeed to this. Degree uh, on certainly on the pitches that they've made this year, which haven't had a huge amount of lateral movement as we talked about before. But he has been, uh, well, extraordinarily successful and yeah, I mean, without I'm not sure you can say remorselessly consistent because uh, the way England play, they don't really bat long enough to be remorseless. Uh, But yeah, he's been a huge success for England and uh, glorious to watch as well.
0: It's been wonderful. And just to show how well he's done, David Warner could come out today and absolutely destroy Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad's big day, score a double century, and still score fewer runs in this series than Zach Crawley. Y- yes. And that, I mean that's pretty damning.
1: Yeah, if he does that. I mean, that is the biggest if, if I may quote myself, uh, <laughs> since uh, Rudyard Kipling started projecting the titles of his poems onto the night skies above Gotham City. Uh, but, yes, he's... Uh, it, yeah, it's bit, I mean, that, that, one of the interesting things about this series is th- there hasn't been a single sort of dominant player. There's no—I think mm. I might have mentioned it the other day—the um, uh, twelve different players have scored a century or taken a five-wicket haul, but none has got two uh, mm. entries on the honours board. So, but lots and lots of players have featured, and that's yeah, this, the box set character of this uh, ensemble piece, of these characters sort of float in and out of being mm. the, the key players. Uh, but Crawley has been yeah, consistent, consistently good.
0: Another comparison for you. Uh, so now ha- uh, Harry Brook has 20 completed innings, which for some statisticians means you can start really <laughs> understanding how statistically relevant he is. And he is somewhere above Hedley and Pollock, and I don't mean Dean and Sean in that. <laughs>
1: uh, yes. Well, I mean, the the interesting thing, so we're talking about sort of career uh, averages uh, here. And if you put a 20 innings filter on it, Brooke is second currently, averaging 62 after 12 tests, 20 innings, almost 1,200 runs. Only Don Bradman is ahead of him, 99.94. The uh, player below him, uh, disappointingly, is Australia's Adam Voges, who played over a brief span okay. uh, midway through the last decade, 20 tests. Uh, Almost 1,500 runs at 61.8, 31 innings he played. And uh, quite often, you know, we'd looked at 20 innings as a minimum. And after Adam Voges' career, people said, "Well, we better go with a 32-innings minimum, just because it didn't seem right to have <laughs> Bradman, Voges, Pollock, Headley, Sutcliffe. So Voges had to be removed from that. He had a curious career, a lot of, but I mean, sort of failed in in the ashes that he played in in 2015. but had some mountainous runs, uh, particularly in in home series for Australia. So uh, Brook is up there in terms of. Um, you know, it's kind of difficult to look at current players in the all-time rankings, particularly early in their careers, but he has had one of the best ever starts to his Test career, 11... 11- Fifty-plus scores in in nineteen innings, and in the last test, I think he was the he was the third fastest to ten fifty-plus scores, uh, and he's in the I think the top twelve most runs in a, a first twelve tests of a career. And when you you watch him play, there's a few little glitches. I think when the when the ball has moved around this series, he's looked a little vulnerable, as most well all players are. Uh, but the quality of his stroke play when he gets going is uh, ex- extraordinary, and he's he's made and uh, without. You know, having a a massive series again, he's had nu- numerous fifties, played some uh, really influential innings, notably the second innings at Leeds, and the the excitement about the potential of Harry Brook over the next um, I don't know ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty five. If sports mm-hmm. science keeps improving, he could play yeah. till he's seventy three. Um, uh, is as uh, understandably got everyone very excited.
0: So uh, I've got uh, t- two subjects. They're very closely interlinked okay. with each other. I don't know what we want to start with here, and that is. The speed at which England are scoring 300 runs in innings versus the amount of maidens that are getting bowled or not getting <laughs> bowled. Where, where do you want to start?
1: Well, the maiden stat is, again, something we've been tracking pretty much since the second test of this, yep. this series and the, the dot ball percentage of difference in scoring rates which is now well above 1.4 runs and over. Um, for the series, the biggest ever in uh, Ashes history is the difference between the two teams' scoring rates. England reached the uh, 300 in the 58th over yesterday. Their second, the second quickest that a team has reached 300 in Ashes history, behind uh, the 52nd over that they reached it in at Old Trafford. England now have seven of their eight fastest 300 uh, scores in terms of when they've reached 300 in innings. Seven of their eight fastest since Stokes and McCullum. Uh, took over last summer, so uh, it's um, yeah, it, and I think well, we've seen this throughout Australia. Still, after five tests, don't seem to have a strategy or a method for restraining England. They've tried passive fields. Yesterday, they kept the uh, a slightly more aggressive field for a bit longer, and that didn't work either. Uh, as as I said, this England team presents very unfamiliar problems that are extremely difficult to solve, even for bowlers of the the caliber that Australia. Australia have. Todd Murphy did quite well yesterday. still went at five and over, which is yeah. you know not bad against this England team now. Picked up three wickets. Could have had a couple more. Been unlucky with a couple of uh, very close LBW uh, shouts. And bowled out Joe Root for 91 when it looked like Root could bat until the end of eternity. And uh, this was, I think, my favourite stat from yesterday. That Joe Root had only twice in his career been bowled out by right-arm spinners. Um, one uh, was... Uh, one was the Sri Lankan Ramesh Mendis in mm. Sri Lanka, I think, in the 2018-19 series. And one was Ireland's Andy McBride earlier this summer when, uh, as I remember, Root was having a wild hack before a declaration. So, hey, uh, Andy
0: McBride <laughs> is a wonderful spin bowler. I'm not he saying he's not, with, He did him with Guile and Flight.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Those two are not mutually exclusive. Uh, but um, uh, So Ashwin and N- N- Lyon, the two great uh, right arm spinners, of uh, the current age of bold, between them almost two hundred and forty overs at Joe Root and not <laughs> hit his stumps once. So that was a a, a a nice moment for for Murphy, who stood up pretty well under the withering assault of Bazballian yeah. cricket.
0: Uh, can we talk a little bit then about uh, oval chases for for such a great deck? There are not a load of massive chases there. So is there anything? That can give Australia hope here or or, or is history against them well
1: uh, I think the, the hope that they can take is that fourth inning stats are generally completely irrelevant when it comes to the the game <laughs> at, at hand there have been there's not been many big fourth innings chases anywhere so you look at the stats and they don't always tell you the full story there have been some quite big fourth innings. At the Oval, 1979, India. I think were nine runs short of chasing 438. Finished uh, eight wickets down, in a in a in a, in, a, in an exciting draw. Um, but yeah, you know, I don't think when Australia goes out to bat, they're thinking right. Let's channel the spirit of Sunil Gavaskar from uh, okay. from 44 years ago. Um, uh, India a few years ago, in 2018, they were chasing 460 odd, I think, in the in the fourth innings and lost early wickets and then uh, Rishabh Pant. Uh, who made his first test 100 in that innings and KL Rahul had a, a big stand and they got to, within about 120 with still five wickets left before then a late collapse, but that, I guess showed that the you know pitches now don't deteriorate as much, set against that we've got Steve Smith's second innings problems that he's not past mm. 35 in a second inning since the start of the 21-22 Ashes and he's never scored a fourth innings 100, so I mean, maybe this is this is this is the time if they've managed to get him to have any sleep during this game. Maybe Smith could uh, could do something big for the in in the fourth innings for almost the first time in his career. Quick word on Johnny Bairstow: um, seventy. He's had three innings of seventy-five plus in this series. First England wicketkeeper ever to have three innings of seventy-five in a single. Test series and only the third wicketkeeper from either side to have three 75 plus innings in an Ashes series. Brad Haddon in 2013 14 in Australia and Ian Healy in 1993 in England. So, uh, again, one of the questionable selections at the start of mm. the series. And, you know, with the first two tests, it backfired in terms of wicket wicketkeeping. And in the first three tests, his batting wasn't particularly productive after that first innings of the series. But he's played a couple of big ones, both after keeping wicket. Uh, in uh, the last two tests so uh, yeah I think overall England's selectors uh, can um, turn to the various sceptics uh, from the start of the series uh, of which I was unquestionably one and um, point you some numbers
0: uh, okay so so uh, Andy Andy to wrap um, we obviously talked about Stuart Broad big big day for him uh, Jimmy Anderson I didn't mention this at the start of the show so Jimmy Anderson just to show how old and and long long serving he is he made his one-day international debut in a team that featured Alex Stewart, who's now in his 60s. Alex Stewart <laughs> made his one-day international in a team that featured Eddie Hemmings, who's in his mid-70s. <laughs> Eddie Hemmings made his first-class debut in 1966. <laughs> that's, that's how long-serving Anderson is. But but I also wanted a little mention, because it's probably also Moeen's last test, who is ju- I, I just love with all my heart. And the way he got out yesterday... Was just was just classic S and M Bazballian <laughs> cricket, wasn't it? Uh, it?
1: It was, yes. And it, it was a, you know, a classic Mowing Alley innings. That it was a, a few loose shots, a few moments of luck, some some shots that you could write, uh, you know, a twelve volume uh, mm. set of sonnets about. Uh, He's just been a, a beautiful cricketer to watch and a fascinating cricketer to watch, with so many different talents and so many infinite possible careers that he might have had. And England used him used him differently, an ultimate team player, completely selfless, and also just he's one of the most popular cricketers in terms of the the warmth of the crowd reaction to him. Doesn't have the most spectacular statistics when you look at it objectively, but I think that camouflage is quite how useful he's mm. been. To England and uh, oh, I will, I will miss watch. I mean, the thing with Alley is, in a, in a Alley innings of twelve, you're going to see probably <laughs> at least two, possibly three shots that you'll uh, you'll just be purring over for the next I don't know five, ten years.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, enjoy today, Andy. Uh,
1: uh, yes, undoubtedly I will. Might be might be the last day of the series. This might be the last uh, Bugle Ashes All Looking ahead to a day's play, we will do a series review if. It ends today. Uh, If not, we will be back uh, in the morning. Uh, In the meantime, may the cricket be with you. Amen. Thanks to producer Chris. And uh, we'll be back in the near future. Goodbye.
0: You can listen to other programmes from The Bugle, including The Bugle, Catharsis, Tiny Revolutions, Top Stories, and The Gargle, wherever you find your podcasts.